0: Hi, my new stand-up comedy show, Sammy Shah, Successful Comedian, is coming to the Melbourne International Comedy Festival from the 30th of March to the 23rd of April. Then I'll be in Sydney on the 27th and 28th of April. Tickets are available now at the respective comedy festival websites or through the slash shows. The first night of the Melbourne run, the 30th of March, has insanely low ticket sales, even though it's a discounted show, so come then. Now on to Newsweekly. Top stories of the week, Australia bad at bargaining, also China starts matchmaking, and woke banks, all that and more on Newsweekly. Hello, I'm Sami Shah, and thank you for joining me as we punch the news in the headlines weekly. Putting the orcs in orcus news now. You ever gotten blackout drunk alone at home one night? Not because you might be a functioning alcoholic. No, it's because you just didn't want that bottle of wine to go off, and you feel strongly about wastage, so you drank it all, you know, for the environment. Anyway, now you're really drunk and you end up on eBay. Then you go to sleep and forget about everything that might have happened. And then a few weeks later, a $300 authentic limited edition t-shirt from Phil Collins' No Jacket Required solo tour arrives in the mail and your partner's looking at you like you're insane and you don't respect family finances. And you have to come up with a long and convoluted justification about how you meant to buy the t-shirt and definitely do remember doing so. And really, if you think about it, it it's an investment now because Phil Collins has retired. So these are even rarer and they'll go up in value and it could maybe even pay the kids' college tuition fund one day. Who knows? Have you ever done that? Hypothetically speaking? Well, it's starting to seem more and more like Australia did just that with the nuclear submarines. The AUKUS deal was announced last week by Australian Prime Minister and the tallest hobbit, Anthony Albanese. The biggest single investment in Australia's defence capability in all of our history The oldest Botox recipient in the world, Joe Biden. Proud to be your shipmates. And the guy whose face is a landing platform for his giant ears, Rishi Sunak. One of the most advanced nuclear-powered subs the world has ever known. By the way, that's a little detail worth noting. They're nuclear-powered subs. They don't actually carry any nuclear weapons. Which isn't exactly clear from the name. It's like a toaster that's powered by bread but doesn't actually make toast. Shut up, that analogy totally works. The deal has everyone really excited. America and UK are selling subs to Australia, so they're happy. And the Labour government is happy because the opposition can no longer call them weak on defence. The only people who aren't happy are largely the Australian public, who has to pay for this whole thing. So how much will it cost?
1: The cost to Australian taxpayers, hard to fathom, between 268 and $368 billion over the next three decades.
0: Really? America and UK couldn't give us some mates' rates on that? How about 150 billion and a six pack of beer instead? So, just crunching the numbers here, and remember, I was an English major, so you should double check these, but it comes to approximately a fuck ton of money multiplied by a shit ton of money divided by a whole lot of tax increases that'll be needed and squared by, oh my god, what the fuck did we just buy? Roughly, you know, give or take a decimal point. Where's the money going to come from? Well, opposition leader Peter Dutton was quick too quick, some would say, to come up with an idea, offering to cut money from the National Disability Insurance Scheme which funds costs associated with disabilities. Was it a mistake last night for you to single out the NDIS as somewhere where the Coalition could help find savings? Don't those programs deserve to be uh, judged on their merits? Well, well, of course they do. It must be sustainable. Other ideas floated by Dutton to raise the submarine money were to put children to work in the mines and auction off our poor people to big game hunting billionaires who might want to hunt the most dangerous animal, man. What he won't consider is asking the government to cancel the Stage 3 tax cuts, which will cost Australia $254 billion.
2: Would you be prepared to support a defer or a cancelling of the $240 billion uh, Stage 3 tax cuts? Well, the government went to the last election with a commitment for the tax cuts.
0: The CHC tax cut, by the way, will provide Peter Dutton personally with a tax cut of $9,075, less than what he's currently paying on his annual salary of about $401,000. So what exactly do we get for this deal? Which has the kind of bipartisan support we can't ever seem to get when we need relief from our sizable structural budget deficit and cost pressures in aged care health and the NDIS because those don't make you look tough. From
1: 2027, one British astute class boat and up to four American Virginia class subs begin regular rotations out of WA. In the early 2030s, Australia will begin buying at least three Virginia-class boats from the US, pending congressional approval, with an option to get two more if needed. Then, from the 2040s, Australia wants to begin delivering new AUKUS-class submarines built in Adelaide using a British design with an American combat system.
0: So as long as China holds off on any attacks until after 2042 we'll be fine. Meanwhile, China, which has the world's largest navy with 777 warships and submarines, isn't just sitting around. Xi Jinping had already locked in supreme power for at least another five years, but now he's secured another term as military chief and state president in an unstoppable ascent.
1: We must build the people's armed forces into a great wall of steel.
0: Which is scary, because if China's really good at anything, it's building walls. It might be why the AUKUS submarine deal has been publicly shat on by former Prime Minister Paul Keating.
2: Underlying all this stuff about the need of nuclear power is the idea that China has either threatened us or has threatened us. It has threatened us or will threaten us. Uh, now, th- this is a distortion and it's untrue. The Chinese have never implied that they would threat- th- threaten us or, ex- or said it explicitly.
0: Look, he's not wrong. I mean, China is still our biggest two-way trading partner, making up to one-third of our international trade. That's why China hasn't made any explicit threats to Australia. And Australia keeps talking about the potential uses of the submarines in such vague language, you'd think they're mostly going to be used as Airbnbs. The former Prime Minister was speaking at the National Press Club of Australia, where he then gave a weird understanding of military history.
2: All great land battles are fought on land. All great battles are fought on land. Hitler's Barbarossa cost the Russians 26 million people on a fight on land. You know, uh, Before that, there was Bonaparte controlled Europe on land. You know? This is not possible for the Chinese to do. Uh, 8,000 kilometers between Beijing or, or Shanghai and Brisbane, say, the moment they leave their port, they are visible straight away on things. Is We wouldn't need submarines to sink an armada, and it would mean an armada of Chinese boats, ships, combat boats, uh, troop ships. Uh, We just do them with planes. You know, the idea that we need American submarines to protect us, you know, three, if we we buy eight, three are at sea, three are going to protect us from the might of China. Really. I mean, the rubbish of it.
0: Well, there we go. We don't need the submarines because China can't invade us anyway. And even if it did, they're too powerful, so we can't really stop them. And also, all Navy battles were a waste of time. And China's probably going to invade Brisbane, which, honestly, I'm okay with. It might improve the food there. Still, whether Keating likes it or not, and he does not like it, the submarine deal is signed and sealed and we can't back out on it now. I mean, yeah, we did back out of that deal with France, which cost us $3.4 billion anyway, but you can definitely trust us this time. Not to get the submarines, just to spend a lot of money on hypothetical submarines, even if they are hypothetically nuclear-powered. Oh, and here's something that was hidden in the fine print. We need to figure out where we'll put the nuclear waste the submarines generate. Australia's nuclear submarine fleet has been celebrated by leaders in Perth and Adelaide. But the sailing might not be quite as smooth when the
1: Commonwealth decides where to build a nuclear waste facility.
0: Defence Minister Richard Marles was quick to accept responsibility for the waste disposal.
1: That's a responsibility which as a nation we accept.
0: Maybe. But which part of the nation accepts that responsibility isn't as clear. Western Australia's Premier Mark McGowan has ruled out his state, which probably is just as well given their recent history of misplacing radioactive materials. He suggested South Australia, where the submarines will be built, as has Victoria's Premier Daniel Andrews. I
2: don't know. Far from being parochial, I think if the jobs are going to a certain city, maybe the waste can go to that state.
0: That didn't sound petty at all. Maybe China won't need to invade anyway once the AUKUS deal has torn us apart as a nation and left us all destitute as we try paying for it. Still, at least the major expense is settled. Now we have the submarines, we can feel safer. Except, it turns out the submarines fire Tomahawk missiles, which we don't have, and also need to buy. Australia is set to buy 220 Tomahawk cruise missiles from the US in a deal worth $1.3 billion. This is starting to seem less like a one-time purchase and more like a subscription plan. In the end, maybe the real nuclear submarines were the friends we paid along the way. The Axis of Asshole News Now! Saudi Arabia and Iran have had a long-held enmity with each other. On the surface, the issue has been that Iran is a Shia country, while Saudi Arabia is a Sunni country. For those that don't know the difference, the Shia and Sunni debate goes back to a disagreement over who should have been a successor, taking over as ruler of the Muslims after the death of Muhammad. Shias believe it should have gone to Muhammad's cousin and son-in-law Ali. Sunnis believe it correctly was given to Muhammad's close friend and advisor Abu Bakr. Both sides have been arguing over this ever since, because that's the kind of thing that matters 1,391 years later. That disagreement is just the start of what's led to massive regional power struggles. The Saudis have long been friends of America, while Iran calls America the great Satan. They both have massive problems over each other's plans for the future direction of Iraq, Syria and Yemen. Which isn't to say they don't also have a lot in common. They hate-free speech, democracy, ethnic minorities, religious freedom and just generally anyone expressing any kind of joy in existence at all. So you'd think they'd find a way to overcome their differences and celebrate the similarities.
1: This deal heralds a new chapter in the Middle East. Bitter rivals Iran and Saudi Arabia agreed to restore diplomatic ties, all in secret with Chinese mediation.
0: That's right. It turns out if you want to get dickbags to bang, you need to host the meeting at a third dickbag's house. It's a strategy as old as high school hookups. So, what now for the newly minted coalition of dickbags?
1: We have been here in Beijing for six days. I held talks with my Saudi counterpart that led to the agreement to normalize relations. We agreed with Saudi Arabia to open a new page based on the interests of the two countries and on regional security, and to promote stability instead of exacerbating tensions. We hope this will contribute to the establishment of security and development
0: in the region. Which basically means they can now team up on their war on women and visible hair. For many analysts, though, the most noteworthy part of the story is the lack of America in it and the presence of China instead. Well, a short while ago, I spoke to our security correspondent, Frank Gardner. The
1: Saudis have reached a conclusion some time ago that they cannot rely on the West as a partner, that they look at, they look at some of the mistakes, they look at the fact that President Obama, for example, said it was a red line in Syria, that if he used chemical weapons that was it. Well, The red line was crossed, and America didn't do anything. And America, when the Arab Spring came, they dumped President Hosni Mubarak of Egypt like a hot potato. So they don't trust America. And they are worried about this what the so-called pivot to the east, to the Asia-Pacific region that happened under the Obama administration. They worry that America is losing interest in the Gulf. So they're reaching out to countries like China. It's very significant that China was the one that brokered This agreement. China is becoming more and more important in the Middle East, and more and more Arab Gulf countries, and not just Gulf countries, Arab countries, are starting to improve their ties with China and to look eastwards rather than the west.
0: Is this that diversity inclusion thing woke people keep going on about? Are there no roles left for white men? Luckily, there is, if you're an analyst with expertise in Saudi Arabia, Iran, and China. I guess. I'm keeping my money under my mattress news now. The global economy is in a precarious position. Inflation is high, growth is low, the supply chain still hasn't recovered from the impact of COVID and the war in Ukraine, many countries are struggling with debt and rising interest rates, and the last thing anyone needs is for the banking sector to collapse due to greedy and unscrupulous practices like it did in 2008. Luckily for us, systems were put in place to ensure that never happens again.
1: After the banking crisis that triggered the Great Recession, President Barack Obama signed the Dodd-Frank Act, making banks like SVB face stricter regulation.
0: It is designed to make sure that everybody follows the same set of rules. And then everything became better forever, right?
1: But eight years later, during the Trump administration, some of those regulations on smaller banks were rolled back.
2: By liberating small banks from excessive bureaucracy, and that's what it was, bureaucracy, we are unleashing the economic potential of our people.
0: With their decision-making freed from the shackles of bureaucracy, banks were finally free to put all their investments into one basket that they decided was made of bulletproof metal when actually it was a basket of eggs made entirely off eggs, which is what Silicon Valley Bank did.
1: Two years later, SVB was flooded with cash as businesses deposited more during the pandemic. Deposits tripled in two years to $189 billion, making 2021 SVB's most profitable year ever.
0: The bank was so confident about its stability. Here's its CEO Greg Becker tugging on Batman's cape. Our core business continues to fire on all cylinders. See, the bank took all the cash deposited in it and bought tens of billions of dollars worth of long-term U.S. treasuries and government-backed mortgage securities because everyone always thought of them as safe, which is pretty much a guarantee that they aren't safe. Interest rates rose, the value of the bonds fell, everyone who invests in SVB is a Silicon Valley moron who previously thought Bitcoin was going to buy them a private island made of NFTs or something, so they panicked and all withdrew their money at the same time. And the entire bank collapsed.
2: The biggest bank collapse since the 2008 financial
0: crisis. Still not a big problem, right? I mean, what happened to SVB won't affect other banks, surely? This is like the SNL crisis in the 80s. We're not talking about a failure of this bank, but that banks could, you know, fail. That's 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 not off the the, question. This
1: is clearly an example of something breaking. We can assume that there's serious contagion here turmoil that rocked U.S.-based Silicon Valley Bank at the end of last week has now spread to Europe, with scandal plague Credit Suisse under attack
0: after years of financial mismanagement. It's nothing new. The financial industry indulges in short-term thinking, assuming the market will always be in its favor, makes risky investment strategies without any consideration for what might happen if its circumstances change, and then when they do change, it all collapses. The lessons here are obvious. Unless you're Fox News in America or Sky News in Australia, which likes to blame more things on wokeness than a serial killer blaming the voices in his head for making him kill people. Home Depot co-founder Bernie Marcus arguing the bank's leaders took their eye off the ball. Their own people should have spotted this, but they didn't. They
2: were too busy woke. They were too busy playing the woke game.
0: Ahead of the downfall, those at the top pushing a series of diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives.
1: This bank... They're so concerned with DEI and politics and all kinds of stuff.
0: A company communication from last August outlined goals for increasing the number of women and minorities in senior leadership.
2: Not hiring the brightest people, but hiring people based on what what they look like or where they fall in the social social register.
0: Republican Congressman James Comer blaming SVB's fall on progressive investments.
1: When one of the reasons a bank fails is because it's woke.
0: Wokeness is also responsible for the Wall Street collapse of 1929, the Justinian plague of 541 AD, and the death of the dinosaurs. <laughs> That's it for this week's edition of News Weekly. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a five-star review and rating on iTunes. Also, head over to the Patreon and join me on patreon.com slash Shah. That's S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H. All Patreon subscribers do get two free tickets to the Melbourne and Sydney Comedy Festival shows. Uh, just tell me which date you want to come and I'll issue you your tickets. Otherwise, I'll see you right back here on News Weekly next week, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly.